This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From a very relaxing and shellfish camping trip in Maine, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. And I'm Lindsay. And today on the podcast, our interview with combat robotics YouTuber Mike Stropkovic Jr., a.k.a. Mr. Psycho 2. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have four news items for you today. First up, BattleBots this week revealed the 2021 roster of heavyweights on BattleBots.com. There are a total of 63 robots competing this year. There are 11 brand new rookie bots. Blade, Blip, Defender, Dragon Slayer, Glitch, Jaeger, Part of My French, Retrograde, Riptide, Switchback, and Triple Crown. We'll do an in-depth new bot preview a couple weeks from now before the show returns to the Discovery Channel. Did you get a chance to see any of these uh, these photos? Anything that uh, sticks out? Well, they all have something that sticks out. <laughs> Weapons, forks, etc. Etc. Lots yeah. of forks. Yes, that's that's definitely true. Yeah. Did you uh did you see a robot that was intriguing? Uh Blade looks very scary. Uh but you know, when you returned uh Luke from the filming, you kept talking about Blip and I'll defend Blip with my life. And I didn't really get it cuz I had no idea. Uh and now seeing these photos of Blip, it's starting to come into focus because it is actually adorable. Blip is wild. I can't wait to have Aaron Hill on the show after we all see Blip and everyone falls in love with Blip. I feel like I didn't understand the Blip hype until I saw Blip in person, and I am now 100% on Team Blip. It's like the way even that the metal is like kind of carved out around mm-hmm. its mouth Yeah, to look like it has a little tiny smile. It's like, oh my god, it's so cute. A Blip so match. Cute. Aww. Team Wayachi last week posted photos of what appeared to be a vertical spinner configuration for Hydra. They apparently took the horizontal spinner off Fusion, turned it on its head, and built a weapon mount that replaces Hydra's flipper arm. It remains unclear if this is an actual working configuration or simply an elaborate and expensive prank by Hydra Captain Jake Ewert. Meanwhile, we got new photos and test box footage from Endgame, which is running magnets on its bot this year. Huge, which is looking awfully thick, with two C's this season. Thick! 
Yeti running a Minotaur-esque forklift configuration, and Switchback, which looks pretty gyrary in the box. Check out those photos and video on each team's respective Facebook pages. Are you uh, are you prepared to eat a sticker? It's not a sticker. It is five stickers. Lately. It's five stickers. I I originally promised five stickers, <laughs> and I will tell you, I have been I've been trying to find the smallest stickers possible and the ones that look the closest to food grade. I, I guess that's true. Did you have Did you specify that they are specifically Switchback stickers? Well, Switchback has some small stickers. I picked up some Switchback stickers, which was good. Um, but I will tell you, uh, Switchback Captain Greg Needell has uh, sent me several messages oh. since then saying, how do you think stickers are going to taste? I think that he's feeling pretty good about his what prospects. What was the original uh, quote? If that bot wins a match, I will eat... Five stickers. Five stickers. Five BattleBot stickers. You said BattleBots? Like, you can't just, like, get, like, a tiny sticker of a burger and, like, trick yourself that you're eating a burger? Oh, like, uh, <laughs> like a burger-themed uh, robot <laughs> sticker. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I had other friends who have, like, helpfully suggested, oh, maybe we can, like, print some, like, food-grade stickers. I think you have to eat five uh, 20-inch-long smee <laughs> It's just yeah. like fruit by the foot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've also I've also had my my girlfriend try and talk me out of it. Just say you know things like uh, you're gonna be a father. <laughs> your life your life is worth more than this. You don't have to eat. <laughs> just email Greg. Just tell him you that you're sorry. You can't eat holographic stickers. You're a grown man. <laughs> Yeah, so um I'd say listen to Jackie. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Um Switchback <laughs> looks great, you guys. And Greg, if you're listening, I am very sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> And finally, we got word this week that Tombstone Captain Ray Billings has signed up for the next Norwalk Havoc and will compete with a brand new 12-pound combat robot called Fake News. Fake News's weapon will be cut out of excess metal from Tombstone's weapon bars, which is pretty cool. If you want to check out Fake News yourself, tune into the Norwalk Havoc livestream on November 13th, or come watch it in person with all of us in Norwalk, Connecticut. Hey, how do we know that's not fake news? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I know that Ray tried was planning on running fake news earlier in the year, so I think that this is a design that he's been working on for a while. Hmm. But this will be his first time really taking it out, I believe. So uh, pretty exciting. We're going to see uh, maybe some tombstone action in Norok. Or it's just a, another lie from the lamestream media. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Mr. Psycho, Mike Strakovic. This interview is brought to you by Just Cause Robotics and friend of the pod, Seth Schaefer. Seth has competed in BattleBots with Bloodsport and in Season 6 with Retrograde. His goal is to make it easier for new builders to get involved in combat robotics through guides and tutorials and now custom products. If you're interested in learning more, check out his website at JustCauseRobotics.com. That's JustCUZRobotics.com. This week on the podcast, we have a very special first-time guest, Mr. Psycho himself, Mike Stropkovic. Mike began posting BattleBots videos to YouTube in 2015 when the show was returning to air on ABC. He's since become the biggest combat robotics content creator on the internet, 
running a YouTube channel where he reviews robots and offers up commentary and analysis of BattleBots past and present. Plus, he runs the very excellent combat robotics podcast, Roasting Robots, and is the proud owner of his own classic BattleBot, Super Collider. He most certainly knows more about robots than all of us put together, and we're really stoked to have him on the show. So welcome to Behind the Bots, Mike. Yee. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I am so, so excited to uh, to talk to you. This has been one of those interviews that um, we've wanted to do for like multiple years now. And um, I'm really glad that we were able to make the, the time work because I know you're a very busy, uh, very busy person with all of your uh, shows, which, uh, you know, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that we're able to connect. Um, I would love to start by um, by learning more about you and your story. So uh, where are you from? What do you do outside of YouTube? You know, like, can you uh, can you introduce us to uh, Mike, I guess, from uh, behind the camera? Uh, yeah, I am originally from the Chicago area. I've uh, been living in Evansville, Indiana the last few years. Um, outside of YouTube, I don't do anything lately. Uh, YouTube has been my full-time job for the last uh, 18 months because of the pandemic. So that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard through the grapevine that you're uh, you're currently like out uh, looking for jobs. You know, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Maybe we can help you find uh, find something, you know, from our from our, our meager audience. You know, uh, if you're hiring, you know, you should hire Mike for literally anything because he's great. Um, Mike, what type of, uh, of jobs are you looking for? <laughs> it, it would be funny if I got hired through a podcast of all places. Um, I, Listen, I'd be proud. I would be proud if we can make that work. Mostly uh, technical stuff. I did uh, machine maintenance for like eight years, and I'm looking into getting into like CNC stuff because that's uh, that's really fun, and you can build robots with that. So anything, yeah, if I could work in a shop and work with my hands. I'd be really happy about. So I guess if you're, uh, let's see, listening to this podcast from Team Wayachi or Big Blue Saw, Send Cut Send, maybe if you're Alex Horn and you're looking for some machinist help, uh, let's see, what 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 other machine com- machining companies do we know? Uh, hmm, I don't know. Call it Mike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and yeah, I mean, are are you are you like looking to uh, to travel anywhere? Like, are are you planning to stay in in the Midwest? Um, I, the only thing that I know for certain is I do not want to work in Indiana any longer. <laughs> that's kind of my only, Oh, thing. <laughs> that's, that's kind right. of the only thing is I, I'm, I'm done with the state of Indiana. I've been here five years. Uh, I want out, um, pretty much anything on the Eastern yeah. part of the country I'm looking at. So, um, yeah, willing to go there. Very cool. Good, good. Tell me, tell me more about Indiana. So, like, um, you know, moved moved there five years ago. You know, what part of the state do you live in, and um, what makes it such an awful place? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. So, um, I spent the vast majority of my life in the Chicago suburbs, and I only moved to Indiana a few years ago uh, because of a job transfer, and I got pushed out of that job because of you know office politics reasons, and me and my wife just don't enjoy the area it's we don't enjoy the politics Mm. we don't enjoy the culture we don't enjoy living in a concrete city where there's like no trees anywhere it's just overall not our vibe that's uh that's fair 
um, as, as someone, I, so I, I was born and raised in California and I moved across country and now I live in upstate New York. I have to say it is pretty awesome up here. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe take a look at, uh, in New York, you know, we can, uh, <laughs> we can hang out together. That'd be, that'd be great. Um, I, I, I'm also really interested in learning more about YouTube. Um, I've, I've like flirted with the idea of becoming a vlogger at some point in the future. Would you recommend it? You know, um, is there, uh, is there, is there like huge money, I guess, in, uh, in becoming a, a vlogger on, on YouTube? Uh, the simple answer is no. Um, if you're, <laughs> if you're interested in money, YouTube is the lowest paying thing you could ever do. Um, oh no. Yeah. Like I've got, a decent amount of uh, a decent size audience. I've got a decent amount of hits and such, and I'm like paying one or two bills with that. So like, mm. you got to be in the like half a million subscribers range to be able to like live full time on that. Um, otherwise, you're you're mm. you're literally working for less than a dollar an hour. Right, right. That's bad. So I, I've I've been really curious, you know, about uh, about your YouTube username, like Mister Psycho. I would think perhaps uh, maybe like BattleBots Fan One Hundred and One or something would maybe be more, uh, you know, more descriptive. Where does Mister Psycho come from? I'm really, really curious about the origin. Oh boy, I have a story and a half to tell here. Um, so this originates long before YouTube, actually. Um, when I was, uh, in high school, I remembered watching, uh, BattleBots as a kid, and I remembered watching this other weird robot combat show called Robot Wars, and it had this gigantic hammer-wielding house robot called Mr. Psycho, and I thought that was just cool. It's just a mm. big, giant hammer that squashes stuff, and when... I started uh, getting access to the internet and we're creating our uh, social profiles and such online. I thought, hey, it would be pretty cool to have a, a username, you know, Mr. Psycho. That would be a really funny username to have. But uh, 2006, YouTube was a very different time. We, had, we lived in a very different world back then. Um, that was kind of the era that um, music labels were going around suing the pants off of everybody that downloaded music for free. And they cracked down hard on early YouTube for people putting music into videos. And I, there was a genuine fear because nobody had, knew how social media was going to turn out. Uh, there was a genuine fear that anybody could be sued for any kind of copyrighted thing on, on the internet. Um, and I was afraid, okay, if I mm. call my channel Mr. Psycho genuinely the robot wars producers could probably sue me for using a copyrighted character's name as an account and so i spelled it in a really stupid way hoping that they wouldn't be able to find it and that was how we ended up with the username i have now got it got it yeah i i think um i think the problem is that your channel became so popular so i think <laughs> i think every every robot wars producer you know now now knows about uh, mr psycho so uh yeah, did have you have you have you run into any problems? I guess with with the username. Yes, it is very difficult to tell somebody in person what my YouTube channel is because it doesn't come up in searches using regular <laughs> words. So yeah, yeah, I have to usually have to spell it every single time. Mm. Yes, 
Yes, that that is tough. Um, <laughs> I um I I think the big thing that's clear from your videos and from your podcast is how much you love combat robotics, and I'd love to understand more about that. You know, how did you get started as a fan, and um, what what was the thing that put you over to say like, this is what I want to devote, you know, the next six years of my life to creating content around. Uh, so the origin story for this is kind of really awkward and weird. Um, so I think the very first exposure that I had to any kind of combat robotics was the tonight show when Jay Leno hosted it. Um, Usually I wouldn't, I was like 12 years old. I usually wouldn't stay up that late, but they had like one segment I liked and I tuned in and they had these battle robots on and they had Jay Leno's robot Chinkilla. And I think Donald Hudson was there because I seem to remember him running Dissector through a trash can. Um, and I thought, gee, this looks really cool. I want to watch this. Totally forgot about it. And then probably a few months later, um, I was in Springfield, Illinois for a youth bowling tournament and we're staying at the hotel and me and my friends are just running around terrorizing the place because we're 12 years old and we couldn't find somebody and we asked where they were and we were told they were in their room watching BattleBots and I was like, oh yeah, BattleBots, I wanted to see that. And I go rushing into my hotel room mm. and I turn on and I get to see Grant Imahar's dead blow beat the crap out of Judge Derek Young's robot pressure drop and that was the very first BattleBots fight I ever wow. saw. And um, wow. I, my little mind was blown because they said that there was like a world record number of hits in that fight. And I was like, oh, wow, the very first fight I saw had a world record. Um, so instantly hooked. Um, saw the, the middleweight finals after that where um, Deadblow lost to Hazard in the championship match. And then totally forgot about BattleBots again. Um, mm. I completely missed season two and it wasn't until season three that I remembered that the show existed and I, I became a, a hardcore fan. So, um, there was two times in there that I, I, I was like, yes, I must watch the show and then totally forgot about it. In, um, in 2015 though, you know, you decided to create your first BattleBots video. How much thought went into that? You know, did you think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to transition this channel of mine over into a, you know, combat robotics channel? Um, yeah, 2015, I was really frustrated as a creator on YouTube. I'd been trying to make a bunch of stuff work. I had just closed a gaming channel that I'd done for a year and a half and only got like 10 views to each video. Um, and so I was just bouncing around to different things. And BattleBots came back, which really surprised me because I was following it in the, uh, in the off-TV years. And I had completely given up hope of it ever coming back after the 2009 event got canceled. Um, and mm. I was beyond excited. Like the very first episode of the 2015 season, I was literally crying in, in, and cheering and being an absolute goofball because I couldn't believe that my childhood dream show came back. Um, and at this, uh, at pretty much, I think it was that season that I saw a really snarky, hilarious, uh, blog called BattleBots Update at the time, which did this really um, kind of angry, vulgar, sat satiric commentary about BattleBots, and people loved it. 
and um, yeah, live reaction videos were popular on YouTube at the time. And I was like, hey, I think I can combine these two things together and do like a really snarky um, live reaction to old TV shows and um, might be able to, to, you know, get an audience that way. And I wanted to do it for BattleBots, but I right before I pulled the trigger on this, I heard that the BBC show in the UK, Robot Wars, was coming back, um, probably because of BattleBots being popular. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, this is the perfect time. Everybody's going to be searching for this. I'm going to start with Robot Wars. And uh, I had a second YouTube channel. That's why my YouTube channel says Mr. Psycho 2. It was my second backup channel. And I was like, nobody watches this. I'll just start there. And uh, people started watching. Yeah. Yes, they did. Uh, thousands, tens of thousands of views later, um, maybe uh, hundreds of thousands, p- potentially. You know, uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, what fascinates you the most about the sport today? Like what keeps you engaged and, and passionate about combat robotics, you know, in 2021? So as a fan, there's two things that I like to see primarily is I want to see new stuff that I haven't seen before. And I want to see mm. real. I want to see the the technology going into things. Um, I enjoy watching things that I've I've I couldn't even have thought of myself and watch them work and watch them function and do their thing. I like watching two robots just absolutely like I like the spectacularness of the stuff being destroyed too. Everybody loves that. Um, but I like to see new stuff. Like one of my favorite moments from the recent reboot of BattleBots was sitting in the crowd in 2019 and watching Warhawk get split into three pieces by a flipping robot. I've never seen a flipper right. tear a robot in half before and that that's the kind of stuff that I like to see. It's just like every year there's something completely new that I've never seen before, never thought was possible. Um, you know, it's it's there's all this science and technology that I get to learn and there's all this spectacular violence that I get to watch, but nobody gets hurt and everybody has fun. You know, it's the perfect spectator sport. Yeah, we totally agree. I, um, I'm curious, you know, when you think about the future of combat robotics, when you think about BattleBots and, uh, you know, the, the show, um, you know, even, even kind of the, the local leagues, um, in five years from now or 10 years from now, where do you think the sport is headed? Oh, that is a complicated question, even though it doesn't sound like it. Um, the cautiously pessimistic side of me. I, I see BattleBots lasting for a few more years until the funding gets pulled and then it's gone again, to be perfectly honest. It, oh, it, my the, God. Mike, are you serious? <laughs> The, the as from my perspective it seems like the only thing keeping battlebots going is that people are putting money into it and as soon as they stop doing that the it's gone um i'd hate to think like that but it's right it's kind, like i said cautiously pessimistic um the optimistic side of me is i see a lot of other people picking up the the slack now there's all kinds of there's televised and streamed robot combat all over the world now there's uh streams of all kinds of insect weight class events everywhere. It's bigger at a grassroots level than it's ever been. And there's money going into it there as well. So I think we're getting to the point where if Discovery says, nah, we're going to be a cooking channel now, the rest of the, the, the robot combat scene can pick up the slack from that. I think we're, we're 
getting close to that soon. Um, I don't know if we're quite mm. there yet, but it's getting close. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that there's anything that the sport needs to do to protect its future, I guess? You know, like when you think about about the current state of the sport, you know, are there are there things that um that, you know, we 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 should be fixing? Um you know, I'm thinking about it from a fan's perspective. I don't know too much of the behind the scenes stuff that goes on with it. I know there's a lot of complicated licensing deals and, and everything, but um, the the thing that I see as the, the main limiting factor is it, at least for BattleBots, it does not seem accept, uh, accessible anymore. Um, mm. When, you know, my generation grew up watching the original run of BattleBots, everybody who watched it said, that looks like something that I could do in my garage. I have the skills. I have somebody who has the skills in my family. We could get some tools and we could probably do this. And you know what? We might be able to do it better. And that was a big draw for a lot of people. And you don't have that anymore because every robot now costs thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollars. And most of the people that I know don't have cars that cost that much. So. Mm. It's at least at the BattleBots level, at the professional level, it's getting to the point where people watching it see it as a, a plaything for rich people and not something that everybody can do any longer. And if I think if we want to kind of protect against you know losing the big boys, I think we really need to get that that uh, grassroots accessibility in there. Um, I don't know if BattleBots needs like a budget B league that's on Science Channel and it's you know five thousand dollar hard limit for everything or how they want to handle that from their side. But I think there needs to be that accessibility that, Hey, I can do this too. Attitude from the audience. Mike, this is a very spicy take and I appreciate it. Um, I feel like so many people come on the show and they kind of like dance around this like idea. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the cost is really big. I mean, we had Charles Guan on last week and he was saying every single year, um, the battle bots like get further and further away from things that you can recognize. You know, when you look at Endgame today or Hypershock today, it looks like a like supercar, you know, and the technology that goes into them is pretty sophisticated. It does not look like something that a 12 year old and their dad can go out into the garage and build by themselves. Um, and that that could limit limit the the, the growth of the sport. Yeah, a, a very, very good comparison is when you when you tune into BattleBots, you're watching a SpaceX stream. You're not watching, you know, yeah. anything that you can achieve. It's something that other rich people do. So, and you know, right. I mean, it, that's it, interesting. It, it might sound like a, a, a spicy take, but like, I'm, I've never been known to, to hold back what my, my opinions are on my channel. If, if I think something isn't going well, then I'm going to say it's not going well or at least from my perspective. So, yeah, you know, um, I don't know if other people will, will agree with that. I would love to discuss it with them. People are, uh, love to tell me that I'm wrong in YouTube comments. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way that I see it from my perspective. Yeah, that's good. So uh, this, this is, this is like a good segue into kind of questions about, you know, you know, so much about the sports past and we can, speculate about the sports future 
where do you think the golden era of combat robotics lives? Like, is it in the 90s and early 2000s, these kind of like big open competitions? Or is it 10 years in the future, 15 years in the future? Like, do you think our best days are behind us or ahead of us? Um, I'm going to give you probably the best possible answer and say yes. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I, I remember hearing Greg Munson say uh, when he was talking about BattleBots is this sport is still brand new and it's still trying to figure out how it works. Um, if you look at any other sport mm. like baseball or golf or anything, they've been around for hundreds of years to tweak the exact formula that they need. BattleBots has been around for 20 um, so it's, it's still an evolving process and it's only going to get better from here as it continues to, to, uh, do its thing. Um, I think the early days kind of were the golden era in that nobody knew how anything was going to work. And so it was just this massive amount of creative freedom that could be thrown into it. These days, everybody sees you know, it's not an open competition these days, and everybody sees there are accepted solutions to every problem already. There's not really anything new to solve in terms of uh, weapon power or or what kind of weapon types beat other weapon types. So, you know, in that sense, the creative freedom golden era was back in the old days, um, but certainly the the new things that technology can do and bring us that were completely impossible to dream of before. Like that's in our future there's going to be another golden era of creativity. Um, we might be at the beginning of that now it's um, you know, it's an ever evolving sport and as long as it's still here, it's going to keep getting better. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's very hopeful. I appreciate that. And then, and then finally like for yourself personally, where do you see yourself in the future? Uh, with combat robotics, you know, are you a producer on BattleBots? You know, uh, are you running your own combat robotics league? You know, are you competing um, in the future? Where, where, where do you see yourself, like with BattleBots, kind of robot wars, local, local uh, events, like the kind of ecosystem? Well, ideally, all of those things, but uh, good. I kind of have different goals in mind for different time frames. Like ideally I would like to get to be part of a BattleBots team in the near future. And even if I'm not on screen, if I'm just getting to work on the robots and learn, I would love to do that. Um, I want to be able to build my own three pound robots and go to competitions finally, because as soon as I had money to do that, there was a pandemic and we couldn't go anywhere. So like in the near future, I, in the next couple of years, I would love to be a competitor um, if I can get the money, I would love to do my nice. own fighting robot show on YouTube. Um, there's a, an extremely nice. good um, Antweight scale uh, fighting robot show on YouTube called Antweight Anarchy. The production value is way, way better than just about any other kind of YouTube show that I've seen. And it is a very fun show, and I want to do that myself. Um, I want to get you know little small scale robots mm. in a little arena and get some cameras and lights and make my own tiny BattleBots show. That's what I want to do. 
That's amazing. That's really cool. Sign me up. I will, I will be your first viewer for sure. Um, that's That sounds really cool. Um, all right. I, I want to transition over into listener questions. You had so many fan questions sent in. It's very, very clear that, uh, that the fans love you. So um, they've asked a lot of questions and some of them are kind of weird. So uh, let's just get into it. Um, let's start off with a series of really good questions from BattleBot superfan Alexander Archer who wants to know, first off, did you attend the filming sessions this year in Las Vegas? Uh, the short answer is no, I did not. Um, I wanted to, money issues came up and I couldn't go. Uh, follow-up question, which bots are you rooting for to win the giant nut this year? Which bots am I rooting for? Uh, that's kind of a difficult question to answer. Um, there's a lot of really, really good robots out there. Um, I've been a massive fan of Sawblaze for a while, and I think they've gotten to the point that they could probably win it if they get a good draw. Um, I'm also really excited yes. to see Minotaur back. Um, Minotaur is a team that have yeah. won every competition they've been in except for BattleBots, so I think they could really do it too. Uh, this is like a good production question. How exactly do you review the fights when you do your recap slash review videos on YouTube? Uh, um, I kind of did a behind the scenes video a while back on one style of my videos on how I make that. But uh, for the, the modern battle bots, um, at least this, this last season, I would watch the episode early on discovery plus um, cause I had that and that would give me a chance to record the episode so I can get my screenshots. And then I would watch the episode a second time uh, during the, the live broadcast so I could help contribute to the ratings. And then I would make notes for what I saw in the fights and what I wanted to talk about. Um, then usually I would forget for a couple of days and then go back and have to watch it a third time to remember what happened, um, which is a step that YouTubers usually leave out when they tell you how to make YouTube videos, the part where you forget and have to do it again. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I just have a, a series of notes on my computer and I they're, they're not detailed they're just like a, a half a sentence that says like this thing happened and i just kind of riff off of that like most of my videos are done off the cuff and just kind of spilling thoughts out and um and then i cut all that down and i take screenshots of the episode to put in and uh throw that together and that's a video it sounds long and involved and uh i appreciate all the work that goes into them um Speaking of kind of like off the cuff thoughts, you know, we got some news this week about Hydra's new vertical configuration and Alexander Archer wants to know, uh, what are your thoughts on Hydra's new configuration, which was most likely the result of its highly controversial win against huge last year? Ah, uh, yes. Vert Hydra. Um, I remember seeing this teased as a CAD some time ago and thinking, Okay, yeah, the the Waiachi guys, they're they're trolling us. They're really good. They're telling jokes. Okay, I get it. And then um, they came out with they they had uh, an image that they trolled us with with these like four foot long forks attached to their robots. And I was like, these guys are, wow, they put in a lot of time and effort and money into trolling people. This is impressive. And then they posted the photo of Hydra with a with a big vertical spinner. And I'm thinking, maybe they're not trolling anymore. <laughs> If they are trolling, this is an impressive level mm. of investment for trolling. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to yes, wait and see if that's yes. a real thing or not. I am. I'm in the same camp. I think I, I went through the exact same thought process. 
Um, Alexander has another question, you know, uh, this time about tournament rules. What are your thoughts on the revised tournament rules as a result of the beta rotator and huge slash hydro fights that were both controversial last season? So my first thought is I actually don't think they were the result of those fights. Um, I know that those fights were controversial Ooh. and I know people disagreed with uh, certain judges decisions last season, but the judging rules have been altered slightly every single season in the reboot. It's something that's always evolving and always changing. And they're trying to balance, you know, what the rules say, you know, they're trying to balance who the rules say won the fight with who the audience sees winning the fight. Um, the, that's difficult to get mm. because everybody sees the fight differently. So it's difficult to get both of those lined up, but I think that's what this is, is they've, they've changed the, the judging criteria a little bit. They're trying to get it to line up with what the audience sees. And I think, I think it's a good step to take for this particular season with what they've done. Um, I'm excited to see how it turns out. Cause it's not anything like previous judging, uh, rules that I've seen. Um, so I'm kind of really curious to see how that goes. But uh, I think it'll be uh, it'll be a lot simpler for um, for the judges to to be able to determine really borderline stuff now. Got it. Uh, and then one final question from Alexander around rookie bots. Which of the rookie bots this season do you think has the potential to make it into the round of thirty two and maybe win the giant nut? So the obvious answer to this is triple crown. Um. <laughs> wait really are you serious no, no i'm 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 telling i'm trolling like the <laughs> Don't worry. um you know there's so many good rookie bots every season um like i was really impressed with uh hijinks last season i thought hijinks was going to be a one and done robot and they made it into the tournament bracket and you know True. there's there's some good uh vertical spinners coming in that obviously have a good shot um, there's some robots coming in with new weapon types that I haven't seen before that I'm, I'm excited for. Uh, I just, I want to see them all in the bracket, to be honest. Um, I, I really don't like it when I get, uh, I get really excited to see a, a new bot come in and then they get one fight and then they're highlighted or don't get on television after that. I, I want to see them all make it and succeed. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, uh, well, yeah, we've, we've, we have seen some like really good reveals for rookie bots, like uh, we had Switchbacks Captain on a couple of weeks ago. Um, we had the Tantrum team on, and obviously their sister team is Blip. Um, we had Glitch on, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I'm I'm similarly stoked. Um, I, I was able to see some of the fights because I caught like one filming session in Vegas this year, um, but didn't want to spoil the the rest of the you know like the round of thirty two for myself. And the fights that I did see were incredible. So um, I'm really really stoked to see the entire show this this year. Um, all right, uh, moving on to questions from Martin Bryn Lewis, who asks, "What videos do you enjoy doing most?" Live reviews, modern BattleBots reviews, episodes of the Roasting Robots podcast, or Robot Rampage? And will you go back to live reviews to finish Foreign Robot Wars and Techno Games? Uh, so they, this person definitely pays attention to my channel because I've got so many different kinds of videos I make. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the live reviews quite a lot. The really sarcastic and snarky uh, reviews of the old shows. 
I've kind of run out of material for those. There's only so many different ways that I can say a robot is slow and fragile and doesn't work. Um, <laughs> and there's only, I think, one more series. It's like a German spinoff of Robot Wars to watch. So I, I don't see myself returning to that anytime soon. They take a lot of effort to make. Um, I do enjoy the BattleBots, the, the modern BattleBots reviews. They are a lot of fun to to go frame by frame and be like, wow, this robot hit the other one three times in a single hit. This is incredible. I got to tell everybody about this. Um, but to be perfectly honest, what I really enjoy the most is the uh, Robot Rampage League streams. It's uh, a set of mm. live streams that I did, and I'm going to be doing a second season soon of uh, virtual robot fighting with a video game. And we get a bunch of people together and they make their own robots in the game. And I set it up so that the game's AI systems run them. And then we just stream what happens and I do live commentary for it. And it's a tremendous amount of fun. I had so much fun getting to talk to people and speculate and just be a robot nerd. And like, who do we think is going to win? Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting to do that again for a second season. That's cool. Uh, Tom Farkas, our favorite mail carrier from Cooperstown, New York, wants to know... BattleBots Bingo this year, and do you have any suggestions for BattleBots Bingo squares? Uh, BattleBots Bingo. So this was a little game that me and a, a few other podcasters did the last couple of seasons. I don't know if we're going to broadcast that this season. Um, we did get together and discuss playing that again, but it's a lot of work to put together, you know, dozens and dozens of different predictions and such, and um, I don't know if it's going to be broadcast again, but we are playing it, uh, at least behind the scenes. But if you wanted a suggestion for how to make a prediction for that, what kind of strategy you want to go with, you got to go with the strategy that I did, which is make a lot of predictions about what Bite Force is going to do two days before they announce they're not going. <laughs> that was my strategy. <laughs> Let's see if it works out. <laughs> Good. Um, he has a question that I'm also very curious about. Who made the beautiful quilts behind you in your videos? Yeah, so um, that was my wife's great aunt Rhonda actually made that specifically for me. Um, before that, I had been cool. uh, using a quilt that my wife had had since she was a, a little child that uh, her aunt Rhonda had made. Um, and it was just to put some color in the background of my videos and... Uh, they saw what I was doing with it, and they made me my own, and uh, I'm really happy with it. It looks really good. Final question, also one that I'm very curious about. When are you coming up to Norwalk Havoc? Uh, the accurate answer is when I have the money to go. Um, Norwalk is a long mm. way from the Midwest. It's uh, quite a commitment to make, and I'm struggling to get the money together to finish my robots, so... Um, Maybe mm. sometime next summer at the earliest, probably. Um, if not, probably a, a year after that, even if if I can't get the money together. Yeah. Tom drives an electric car from Cooperstown and he's got to stop like 10 or 10 or 15 times to charge it up. So, you know, uh, it could be worse, Mike, you know, <laughs> There's... It, it could be worse. Yeah. It could also um... be a lot better. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe I'll get a job in Norwalk and Yeah. There you go. Okay. All right. This is this is now my new crusade. I'm gonna try and get you a job at Norwalk Havoc. Um okay. <laughs> they're gonna need a bleep button for me. They are they're they're hiring, by the way. Yeah, they're gonna like, need a you know. they're gonna need a bleep button for me, definitely. <laughs>
Yeah. Speaking of Norwalk Havoc, Ryan Rasset asks, if you were to enter all three weight classes in Norwalk with brand new designs, what would they be? So the weight classes are beetle weights, three pounders, uh, 12 pounders, and 30 pounders. Would you make the same design for all three? Would you go with different designs for the three kind of uh, three three weight classes? Well, I've literally never thought about what to do for anything up beyond the three pound class. So I wouldn't even know what mm. to do for a 12 or a 30. Maybe just a bigger version of Hit and Run. Uh, my saw blade wheel robot. Okay. Um, heck, may, I might even put the three, pound saw, uh, the three pound Hit and Run in the 12 pounders as a beetle cluster. But um, That's true. For the, the three pound class, I have a bunch of designs that I'm working on. I have one that I've actually started ordering parts for. Um, but I think most likely what I would enter with because they've already told me that hit and run does not meet the active weapon rule, so I won't be able to enter that. So instead, I will be... At some point, I will be putting together and bringing uh, the exact same beater bar robot that everybody else brings. Um, and I'm going to call oh, it... Oh, good. Because my, my robot team is Heavy Metal Robotics. We're, we name all of our robots after heavy metal songs. So uh, that beater bar robot is going to be called... Pull harder on the strings of your finger tech beater bar kit. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is that is my plan for uh, my first robot at Norwalk Havoc. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Okay. Yeah, look look for that summer of 2022, if not sooner, if we uh, if we can't get you at Norwalk. Um, okay. Will Hahn is a really big fan of yours, and he writes, Yes, I've been wanting Mike to talk to you guys! Exclamation point. Uh, two questions. If you were to bring your own heavyweight to BattleBots, what kind would it be? Ooh, I have been dreaming of bringing robots to BattleBots since I was 12 years old, and I've had so many different ideas. Um, obviously, times have changed since then. Like, I have Super Collider behind me, but it's not going to hold together in the modern battle box. It's just not built for that. So um, as far as ideas for robots, I think could actually get accepted because I don't think a, a rebuilt super collider would get accepted. Um, I have an idea that I call EWAT, uh, which stands for uh, expensive waste of time. Um, I, <laughs> some of my, some of my uh, audience might be familiar with it because I built it in a, a video game to test out the idea. It's basically Sawblaze, but with a giant axe on it. Um, I got the idea mm. watching uh, uh, Hammer Chomp, uh, Wheeled Hammer Chomp uh, in 2016. They were having so much difficulty with the robot falling over when they swing the hammer because um, the magnets didn't work with the old floor. And so I thought, well, instead of using magnets, why don't we put... Uh, a big dustpan or long forks underneath the opponent and use the weight of the opponent to hold you down um, when you swing the hammer. And so that's that's what I would, I would bring, uh, basically saw blades, but with a huge axe on it. Um, or my other idea is a multi-bot, um, a pair of hammerhead shark pneumatic flippers is uh, what it would be. Wow. Um, and... Specifically, the reason why not only hammerhead shark flippers would look awesome, but the the problem with the multibots so far in in modern battlebots has been that they're all spinners, and so they cannot attack at the same time. That's the only advantage that multibots have is getting to attack at the same time. But if they get too close right. to each other, they destroy each other. 
So with uh, two flippers in the arena, they can run into each other all they want. They're not going to tear their own person apart with a friendly fire. So that's kind of the idea that I have for that. Uh, if I had somebody on my team who knew pneumatics. Um, Will has a good follow-up question. What's your highest bowling score? Oh, I get to tell a fun story here. So um, I have bowled. Good. I have bowled two uh, perfect 300 games in my in my career so far what yes surprise michael are you serious <laughs> yes yes um, i'm so serious like that's wild uh, i bowled my first one when i was 17 uh back in 2005 wow um and that's where the fun story is because uh, i did it at this little tiny little basement bowling alley in lockport illinois and it was so old school it had like the original wooden lanes the pin setters were from the 1950s. They didn't even have scoring yet. Um, really old school, beaten up, rundown place. And I, I managed to bowl my first 300 game there, which was really cool. Um, a couple of years later, my family ended up buying that bowling alley. And we owned it for a few years. Hmm. Um, until the building had a fire and everything had to be closed and torn out. And while we were doing the tear out, I had them cut out and save a section of the actual lane that I bowled my 300 on. And I turned it into a coffee table cool. and it's in my living room right now is I didn't just get, you know, that's cool. The, uh, official awards for getting my, uh, a 300 game. I own the actual lane I bowled it on, which is uh, kind of the mm. most unique thing that I can say there. That's cool. That's really cool. And then the second time, uh, the second time was just a, a couple of years ago. Um, so one of the things with bowling is depending on how the oil is on the lane, it can make it easier or more difficult to get a high score. And I bowled for a few years at a place that was super, super easy, and my average went way through the roof. But I never could get a 300 there. And as soon as I moved to a more difficult spot, I got a 300 that first season. So, um, Wow. Uh, yeah, I guess... Easy mode doesn't work for me. I got to play on a slightly more difficult conditions. Hmm. I, uh, I, I worked for one season as a bowling league commissioner a couple of years ago. I, I'm an awful, awful bowler. Like I, I think I, I help my, my team's handicap more than I, uh, you know, win games. But, um, but, uh, we had one person in that season. It was a very amateur like league. Um, but we had one person that season who we thought was going to, bowl of 300 and it was one of the coolest experiences i've ever had like in in league sports where like i think it was like frame seven like people stopped like kind of playing and like there were like people coming over like frame eight like everyone's like kind of like now everyone's like talking in hushed tones you know frame nine and then like oh just like got a spare and uh and like uh it was just like you could have heard a pin drop like in, in the alley. Like it was, it was, it was really, really very cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say I've, I've got, got close to it. Yeah. I've, I've been part of that experience on both sides. Um, I had a friend who got, got really annoyed. Actually, he got his first 300 game, but he got super annoyed because um, usually uh, in the last couple of frames, everybody around them will stop and wait for them to go. And so instead of, having yeah. people bowling next to you like you're used to suddenly it's dead quiet and all the pressure's on you and he got really yeah. annoyed he's like please yeah. keep bowling and talking so that you can distract me from this so 
Yeah, it's a yeah. cool experience, yeah. but uh, it can be nerve-wracking. Uh, I've thrown four games between 290 and 300 because I just wasn't able to get my nerves in check for that last throw. Yeah, yeah. Will uh, Will writes, also, thank you for doing what you do. You were the first bot tuber I discovered, and I appreciate how much you acknowledge the classic era as well as the modern era. It means a lot to us fans who grew up binging the classic shows as kids. Also, I've listened to Roasting Robots episodes more times than I can count on my commute. Thanks for making my drive entertaining. Thank you, Will. This is such a nice note. Um, yeah, I'm going to turn over the uh, the rest of the listener. Oh, yeah. Mike, talk to Will for sure. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy most about YouTube is that I, I make people happy. And I, I like that's why there's a lot of comedy in what I do on my channel is I just want to make people smile and happy and have a good time. And, you know, uh, I get comments every so often from people being like, man, you helped me through a really tough time with your humor. And, and that means so much to me because, you know, I'm not doing this for money. I'm not doing this for fame or attention. I'm, I just want people to feel good. And, and when they watch my channel to, to their life to be a little bit better than it otherwise would have been. That's so cool. That's really cool. Um, all right. Thanks. Thanks for the, uh, <clears throat> the warm, fuzzy feelings there, Will. And uh, <laughs> thanks for, uh, for being a fan. Um, all right. I'm going to turn over the rest of the, uh, the listener questions to Kyle. So Kyle, take it away. Uh, happy to do so. Mike, I also want to say you're the first uh, bot tuber I discovered. I was actually just looking for like clips of one of the first episodes in 2015 and I came across your show and I was like, oh, people make YouTube videos about this. This is awesome. Um, so a big part of the reason I'm on this podcast and so interested in this sport is you. And I want to thank you for that. Oh, you're giving me warm fuzzy. Oh, <laughs> All right, before we get too warm and fuzzy, let's get into these listener questions. So we've got B is for BattleBots illustrator Caleb Kenson, who wants to know, what is your immediate reaction to the destruction of social media frenzy at RoboNerd this year? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I built a little three-pound robot similar to the classic BattleBot frenzy that I called social media frenzy. I sent it over to the, the RoboNerd convention, I guess is the best way to describe it. And uh, what a lot of people don't know, apparently, is that I very specifically told the friends that I sent it to, please destroy this robot. It's a combat robot. <laughs> it is made to be destroyed. If it comes back intact, I will be very disappointed. And uh, they did not disappoint. They um, had it in a, an arena with um, featherweight robots, and then they fed it to uh, Shunt, a 250-pound replica Shunt, and uh, that split it in half. So, um, yeah, I can't get much more destroyed than that, I guess. I'm, I was very happy with how that went. They did a great job, yeah. All right, so we've got a good question here from another British roboteer, Rara Granger, who asks, Detonator or Napalm, which is best better? P.S. You're a nerd. I mean, so are you, Rara, so... Yeah, no, you. Um... <laughs> Oh, man, if I had to pick which one was better. Well, I suppose they actually put batteries in Napalm, so... Um, I might have to give it, uh, give it credit for that. Um, <laughs> actually, probably completely honest, uh, Rira's featherweight replica of Napalm is probably the most functional of all of those robots. Accurate. Yeah, that's a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> I'm going to allow that third party answer. And I think that's totally fine. Um, all right, so we've got a series of good questions from Cameron Hutton, who asks, 
what are your thoughts on the shelf or the stage or whatever they're going to end up calling it? Oh, my thoughts are so conflicting on the shelf because at first I Same. was like, yeah. what in the world do you think you are doing? And then the more that I looked into it, I was like, you know what? This might actually not be that bad of an idea. Um, yep. Because my understanding is that they've closed off most of the flip out zones that uh, the battle box had before for safety reasons. Totally understandable. Yep. Um, it's also understandable that they would want to keep some degree of a flip out zone as a victory condition because it allows some of the less destructive robots a, a chance to, to get a, an advantage somehow. Um, so mm -hmm. I think the shelf yep. is a decent attempt at that, you know, without changing the, the shape of the entire battle box. I think that's a decent attempt. I like what I really like the most is that it's possible for a robot to escape. Um, one of the things that I really, yeah. really bothers me as, as a fan of sports, as a, you know, a fan of robot combat is an instant lose condition, just a no go zone. If you drive there, well, you drove in the no, you lose zone. So you lose. Um, I, I don't like that. It, it seems super arbitrary to me. And so like this idea that we built this really short wall, that's really easy to bounce over. And if you get bounced over it, you instantly lose. And that's too bad. Um, I don't like that. I like it. Okay. If you put, if you build a flip out zone, make it so that it's possible for a robot to, to drive back in or to get back in if they're still capable of that. You know, I don't like a fully functional robot to be eliminated because they're in the wrong spot. You know, that, that just seems too arbitrary to me. So, right. um, I like that aspect of the, the shelf, uh, more than anything is that, you know, a robot can get thrown over the wall there, but if they can recover, they can get back into the fight and keep going. So, um, I think that'll make for a lot of fun fights if, uh, if that happens. Yeah. Unless the screws refuse to, uh, reverse and your name is Al Kendall, I think it all works out. Hey, you know, if, if people would stop naming their, their kids Al, then it'd be fine. <laughs> it's true i mean yeah we, we really uh we just have uh mrs kendall to blame for that one i suppose um all right so what videos are you most proud of uh this is such a difficult question to answer um i know right the uh the most accurate way to answer that is i don't really get proud of my videos um i just <laughs> yep I just see it as a thing that I do to make people happy. It's like, oh, I did that, and that was successful, and oh, I did that, and I oh, cool, people are happy with what I'm doing. I don't really be like, yeah, I nailed that. I'm so glad how that went. Um, kind of touching on, on a similar note to this, probably the m thing that I'm happiest with how it went and the most proud of, I guess, is uh, putting up the pride flag in my videos, actually. Um, I have had such a huge positive response from that. And so many um, LGBT people have like come out of the woodwork and relaxed and are able to be themselves around me and my audience now as a result. And I'm just so glad that that's turned out that way. Um, so if, if anything, it's not a specific video. It's, it's probably that that I'm most proud of, that uh, I was able to make that many people uh, more comfortable. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so Cameron's last question is, what are your favorite fights from the 2020 season? Oh, there were so many. So I know. I'm not the kind of person that picks favorites, and it's not 
something that I do consciously. My brain just is like, I like this thing, and I also like this thing, and I also like this thing, and I can't tell the difference between those. Um, so, like, I don't have lists of favorites. Uh, it's it's just, uh, I like all of these things together. Like, um, if I had to pick some fights that I really, really enjoyed the most, uh, I think Hydra Witch Doctor was probably one of the best fights that I saw. Um, actually, Chomp versus Gamma 9 was a really good fight that I enjoyed. Oh, Sawblaze versus Whiplash, cutting so Whiplash's side open. That was good, too. Uh, yeah. Probably my three of my favorite fights from last season. All right, so we've got some good questions here from Tom Brisborne. He asks, what's your favorite all-time Robot Wars title fight? There's a lot of, like, what's your favorites in this question series, which I know I know you're kind of basic feeling about. Yeah, but... and I was just like, I don't pick favorites. Um, title <laughs> fights, that narrows it down. Um, it does. Probably, and this is going to sound, you know, a little bit basic because it's the most recent, but probably Eruption versus Carbide. Um, Ooh, just for yeah. the entire build-up towards that. It was an entire journey that built up to that fight that made it so good. Um, Carbide struggling mightily just to make it that far. Eruption building itself up from the bottom the whole tournament. Uh, that was probably the best and the most invested in a, a championship fight I have been for Robot Wars. Yeah, I agree with that. And then... Uh, his other one is, what's your favorite bot from each generation of BattleBots and Robot Wars? Man, there's a lot of that. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, you know, Comedy Central Era versus Original Era Robot Wars and Modern Robot Wars, the uh, the fleetingly short version of it that we got, as well as Modern BattleBots, which hopefully goes on for a little while longer. Um, modern BattleBots, it's... Uh, I think I have to say Sawblaze. I think Sawblaze is po probably my most favorite of modern BattleBots. It's just super, super aggressive, and I love that. And um, I think this is a, a theme because uh, my favorite classic BattleBot is uh, Vladiator, which is uh, an incredibly fast robot that had a, a spike on the front. They would pick robots up with it, and then it would just steamroll them into the wall, which was so satisfying. Also my favorite original era bot, for sure. Yeah. Um, robot Wars. Can I say a house robot? I mean, Mr. Of Psycho. Course. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Mr. Psycho is a favorite of mine. If, if I had to pick competitor robots, uh, I enjoyed watching Carbide probably the most. I think it was the most consistently good to watch. Um at least for the modern era. And then I'm going to throw a curveball actually for the, the classic robot wars. Um, there was a, an American spinoff of robot wars that had a robot called destructive criticism, which was a, a big horizontal spinner. And that sat in my brain space for years afterwards as how I wanted to design a robot. Like it was the coolest thing to me from that uh, version of the show. Oh yeah, man. American robot wars had some interesting stuff. Remember robot wars extreme. Yeah, it was like it was like called Extreme Warriors or something. It was on exactly. TV and channels. And wasn't like Mick Foley one of the hosts or something like that? Yeah, and like I didn't watch wrestling at all, so like I just saw this guy come on and I was just like, Oh, this is just some guy and he talks about wrestling for some reason. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. I was like that era of my life, I vegetated when I watched TV. Like I have almost no memories at all of watching classic robot wars. Because I'd turn it on and then I would just vegetate and probably drool on myself. So, 
Um, yeah, like I don't remember much from that. I remembered destructive criticism. It took me a long time to figure out which robot it was because I just remembered what it looked like. But uh, yeah, uh, that but was definitely a thing back then. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so Tom also writes, P.S. I love your material from the original live reviews. Also RRL, which I can't wait um, to watch and support when season two comes around. I agree with him on that. Yeah, I can't wait to do that. That's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, robot fighting, but sports league style. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we got a question here from Joel Warren. He has a two-part question. Um, so first of all, how does it feel to own a machine that actually fought a legend the caliber of Warhead? Um, so he's talking about Super Collider, who uh, fought Warhead in the old days of BattleBots and lost to it. And yep. so Super Collider never made it to television as a result. Um, it's kind of cool to have that little bit of history behind it that I can talk about. Mainly the way that it feels is just, oh my goodness, I own an actual BattleBot. I can't believe this. <laughs> that's that's how it feels like as soon as i saw battlebots it was my childhood dream this is what i wanted to do more than anything else was be part of battlebots and when i uh i finally had the opportunity to get it which believe it or not the story of how i got it was it started like a year before that with another robot called incisor that went up for sale and uh, i just didn't have the money at the time and i was like uh, but it was there and it was so affordable and then um Super Collider went up on sale, and I was like, I cannot let this one go. I have to get it. So, yeah. Uh, the way that it feels is just, oh my goodness, I can't believe I actually have a BattleBot. <laughs> Agreed. 100%, and I'm glad you did. Alright, and then Joel's second question is, uh, what are some of your favorite machines from other TV combat robotics shows? We've already covered some of them, but what about King of Bots and Robotica? Do you have any favorite bots from there that you kind of wish was in the, uh, the modern... Uh, BattleBot scene? Uh, so, I've actually not seen King of Bots yet. I was hoping to be able to do reviews of it, and then China got really weird with their uh, copyright on YouTube, so I haven't been able to do that yet. Um, Robotica is one of my favorite combat robot shows. It was basically like if you gave um, BattleBots or Robot Wars announcers like a whole bunch of caffeine and other drugs, and then just let them go to it. Um, it was just wild and hilarious um some of my favorite robots from that uh flexi flyer which was this robot that was hinged in the middle and both sides could operate independently of each other which was really cool um the the panzer robots were uh pretty cool in robotica i think they won robotica and uh, a season of robot wars um and i think my all-time favorite from robotica was called ultra violence which was this six-wheel drive vertical spinner that destroyed everything it was an obstacle course show and they said nope we're going to destroy everything in front of us and uh it was great <laughs> yeah i uh i enjoyed that one as well um all right so max leon thomas he wants to know what bot do you think got screwed out of greatness by a bad lineup in any robot competition that's an interesting question there's a lot of them yeah, and especially in the, the old days when it was a straight knockout tournament and you get, oh, you draw, get drawn against Biohazard, the four-time champion in your first fight. Tough luck. Um, 
if I was to pick any one robot that comes to mind, it's it's uh, a robot that very, very few people probably even remember. It was in uh, the classic days of Robot Wars. It was called V-Max. And it was a front-hinged flipper that was shaped very, very similarly to uh, robots that would go on to be legends, Cassius and Firestorm. It was almost identical to them in form and function. They won a whole bunch of qualifying fights to get accepted onto the show. Did not get accepted. They got brought in as a reserve robot. And when a robot dropped out in the middle of the tournament and they had to bring in a reserve, they're like, okay, VMAX, you're going to get your shot against the single most dangerous robot that the UK has right now, Hypnodisc. And they got destroyed on the spot. And nobody remembers <laughs> VMAX for it, even though it was almost identical to some of these other robots that went on to be legends. So if anybody got screwed harder than VMAX, I would love to know about it. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, so we've got a series of questions from Chris Horry. Um, so he wants to know, as someone who loved Robot Arena 2 back in the day, I love your enthusiasm. Anytime you reference it, did that game help at all as a stepping stone for constructing real robots in real life? Um like with Hit and Run or Social Media Frenzy, and the way you mounted Frenzy's shell almost like how one would use the base plate anchors in Robot Arena 2. Uh, was there any like kind of design influence from that? Uh, so, just to, to touch on what Robot Arena 2 is, because I'm sure there's people who don't know, it's a game from 2003. Um, and it yes, it is. And it's a lower-budget game that was like half-finished when it came out. But for some reason, it is still the most functional and accessible robot combat game on the market, which is unfortunate. There really needs to be a new BattleBots game or something to come out to replace it. Um, but the game is extremely easy to design and build a, a functional robot that works the way that it would in the real world. And I was a fan of BattleBots and Robot Wars in the classic days, and I got Robot Arena 2 pretty much the moment it came out. And I've realized almost every robot dream I could possibly have had in that game. And I've tested out ideas in there. I still kind of use it to lay out ideas uh, before I put it down on paper or put it in CAD software. Because I can be like, well, is this even going to function in, in an arena? Or is it going to trip over itself? Um, it's a, a fantastic game for um, especially people who don't have the resources to start building or start designing. Um, it's, it's a perfect platform for people to, to get started with. It's easy to learn. Um, as far as hit and run, hit and run came from robot arena too. I built it in the game in 2005. And when I was looking for a, an easy four wheel drive box design to make my first robot as, you know, cause I just need to learn how to do this. I was like, why don't I put saw blade wheels on it? Like hit and run and just make a, a video game robot in real life. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Big thumbs up to uh, anyone who wants to play Robot Arena 2 to get experience for real-life robots. It's very helpful. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think a lot of folks find that game is still the most fun of the robot games out there, for sure. Um, so this is a super nerdy question. Feel free to give us some context for this. So you've previously mentioned having an unfortunately negative experience with the old forums like Accuplink? How are those communities now compared to them? Um, so uh, I think this is Ace Uplink is what this one was called. I genuinely don't even... 
Ace Uplink. Yeah, it's just all put together as yeah, one yeah. word. Here, I can fix that in the script, but I, yes, it's Ace Uplink. So, I got the internet access for the first time right around the time that Robot Arena came out. And so, uh, being a young kid and the internet not being the social media platform that it is today, pretty much the only place to go to socialize with people was message boards. And my mom wouldn't let me do that because I wasn't really old enough. So um, I played Robot Arena 2 in isolation for a long time. And it was on, wasn't until like 2006 or 2007 that I started looking for Robot Arena 2 message boards. And I had extremely yep. toxic experiences with every single one of them. Um, it was just constant harassment of everybody involved in every message board I went to. The very first one I joined, I asked, what in the world is this DSL acronym I see being used? And I got accused of being somebody's alt account. I was told never to post on that forum again. And then I got banned. Um, and that was my first experience with the Robot Arena 2 online community. And things are a little bit better. Um, I think the, the current forum that's still around is called uh, Game Tech Mods, which in my experience was the least toxic of them, which is probably why it's the only one still around. Um. But yeah, I do not have a high opinion of the online community for Robot Arena 2 because they were they have always been very toxic and they are just now getting around to being less toxic. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I don't know if we'll leave that in or not. That's like super inside baseball, but we'll see how it goes. Um, all right, so Steven Egert, he has a spicy two-part question. So first of all, what's the most surprisingly positive interaction slash feedback you've had from a builder whose bot you've heavily criticized? Ooh, a builder that I criticized and they responded positively. Um, I'm going to go back a little ways to when I was doing live reviews of the reboot of Robot Wars. Um, I had not switched to doing the, the analyzing style of uh, reviews then. And I said, I, I made fun of a lot of stuff in the first season of the reboot. Um, we had just had um, ABC BattleBots, and they made a big deal about women in technology and, and robot fighting. And then I went and watched the first season of the reboot of Robot Wars, and they had a very different approach to it. And I tried to play this up with my uh, snarky review, and I, I think it just landed wrong because I got uh, a couple of bad comments, uh, a couple of angry comments from, I think it was Gary Cairns from PP3D, who was very not happy about what I had to say. And um, over time, I, I kind of backed off my criticism of the, the reboot shows and switched to the analytical style. And I think Gary kind of began to understand what I was actually doing with my humor as I was not being serious about it, and I was trying to um, play a character for that. And by the time I got to... Uh, series 7 of Robot Wars, which is where Gary's robot, Typhoon, won. Um, he was leaving comments in on every one of those videos that his robot was in, telling us behind-the-scenes details and how cool you know, this was or that was, and it was a very positive experience. So it's, it's not so much a, a singular positive experience, it's that somebody who was so negative when they first uh, experienced my channel uh, kind of came around and, and started uh, having really positive experiences with my channel. Yeah, that makes sense to me. All right, so second spicy question. This one's a little bit more personal. 
On a related note, what's your reaction to Joran von Leverloo's rebuttal review of your video featuring his bots from Dutch Robot Wars? Oh, so, um, little known fact, I'm actually in a couple of uh, group chats with your own and some other people, and he told me he was going to do that ahead of time. And I told him, go for it. Be as brutal as you can be. I thoroughly will enjoy this. And um, then he made his video, and he's just straight deadpanning every one of my jokes and my and everything and i was like oh my goodness this is great i can't believe like i wanted to do a a snarky live review of his live review of my live review is what i wanted to do but um yeah it was it was great like i get along great with your own and and he told me that he was going to do this and i have uh i have a robot coming up in my um uh robot rampage league uh thing with robot arena too that's uh named after your own so like we we trade jabs back and forth it's a lot of fun i've been in group chats with him for two years now and uh i did not know his name is pronounced your own but that makes sense it's one of those you just read it you never you never say it out loud things i am awful at reading names i make it a point to read names incorrectly as incorrectly as i can because i know i can never read it correctly anyway yeah same (laughs) <laughs> um so f- speaking of cranky builders we've got a good question from blacksmith captain al kindle speak of the devil um who asks what's your favorite bot and why is it blacksmith uh see it's blacksmith because blacksmith put on a sawblaze disguise this season and he knows i like sawblaze so that's why it ended up being my favorite yeah i think that's accurate i mean everybody should agree with that um, all right, so our next series of questions are coming from Seth Schaefer, who competes on BattleBots with Retrograde and Bloodsport, um, and he competes at Norwalk Havoc with Division. Um, so he writes, Hey, Mike, I have to say your channel was one of the few examples I could find that showed me it was possible to get a real audience with the combat robotics community on YouTube. While obviously not directly inspired, my channel might not exist without your own content. So thank you. We should collab sometime. Winky face emoji. Oh, yeah, let's please. Yeah, that would be fun. I think a lot of people would like that. All right, so question time. If you were given the chance to join an existing BattleBots team before you're done reviving Super Collider, which would you like to join the most and why? So I know he wants me to say Bloodsport or Retrograde. Um, Sure. The correct answer is, I don't know. I would be very thrilled to be on any BattleBots team. Um. Yeah, I know some of the builders through uh, group chats. I know some of them uh, leave a bunch of comments on my videos and I'll, I'll message them with them there. So I'm familiar with a few of them and I would probably be more likely to lean towards those teams. Um, but like, I can't really pick one. I think probably the best thing that I could do is to join the Bite Force team so that when they do eventually lose a championship, they can blame me for it. Ah, take one for the team. I like it. Yeah, exactly. um all right so also seeing that you're a big fan of robot wars what do you love to watch the most do you prefer the insanely energetic highly engineered modern era battle bots the junkyard builds of the early 2000s or something in between like robot wars bots from the later series okay so if i'm understanding this question correctly more or less what he's asking is high budget medium budget or low budget robot combat and I think there is definitely a place in the sport for all of those. Like, I think it's really important to have professional high-level battle bots where there's tons of money involved. I think it's really important to have the garage builds and the bodge builds to, to make the sport accessible. But I think you get the best 
balance of the two with medium budgets. Um, the robots are strong enough that they're not falling apart on their own. They're not fall, uh, breaking down from simple hits. They're able to actually damage each other with their weaponry. Um, but, you know, they have the armor to, to stand up to that. They can um, they can t give hits, they can take hits, but they're not at the the professional level where it's like watching a SpaceX launch. It's like, oh, that's five or $6,000. That's probably affordable for me. Um, I'd like to see something like that. Like if I think my ideal robot combat show would be to take a format like Junkyard Wars and put two teams in shops next to each other and say, you have three days and $5,000 and you have to make everything in the shop and anything that you buy outside the shop, you have to pay retail price for. And you fight in three days, build your robot now. I would love a, a, a robot show like that. Go through all the technical stuff, keep the budget relatively simple, make it so that people can like see how it's done and, and feel like they could do it as well. Um, that kind of medium budget, I think, is kind of the best balance for... Uh, yeah, that's sport. interesting. Charles had a very similar take when he was on the show last week. So uh, I kind of see a, a trend happening there. All right, so uh, we've got My Girlfriend Doesn't Like Robots host Matt Hedger. He wants to know, what's the best meta in robot combat, and why is it the British Flipper? Ah, uh, see, um, meta stands for most effective tactic available, and when the arena is full of holes that are no-go zones and you just immediately lose if you go in them, of course a flipper is going to be the most effective tactic. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it's the meta for the, that rule set, not really the meta for anything else. Yeah, the the thing that a lot of people, I think, don't really pick up on at first, it takes a little while, is that the environment that they fight in is what dictates the designs that succeed. And BattleBots, you get destructive robots because there's no way to instantly win a fight for just pushing your opponent over there. Um, Robot Wars, you get a lot of flippers because yeah. all they got to do is get them over a wall. Um, and then you have, you know, competitions like Robotica where you got to push all these obstacles out of the way. So you get a bunch of six wheel drive robots with a, a ton of pushing power. So, you know, the, the environment dictates the kind of robots that you get. And, you know, I would love to see British flippers in battle bots. I think they could be a lot of fun to watch. I don't think they have the potential to win battle bots, um, just because they don't have that instant loss zone to push people into, but, uh, it would be a lot of fun to have them. Yeah, I agree with that. It would definitely change the game in a more interesting way, for sure. Um, all right, so we have the last fan question, and this is a thought-provoking question from Gareth Antsy. He wants to know, if a nunchuck could chuck nuns, how many nuns could a nunchuck chuck? As many as it damn well wants. I mean, I agree with that 100%. Um, so I've got one final question that I wanted to ask you myself. I hope you don't mind. Um, Go for so it. If you were offered a choose-your-own-adventure position at BattleBots, right? You make your own job title. You make your own job description at BattleBots. Working for the organization, what would it be? That is a really good question because I am typically not the kind of person that um, tries to make things happen that I want to happen. I just, like, I will fit in anywhere, and I will do the best at that. Um like I would love to do if if I get put into like play by play commentary, I'm not terribly good at commentary, but I could make that work. I would like that. If I could get like a, a pit reporter position, I would love to do that. That would be cool. You know, put me behind the cameras. I will thoroughly enjoy running cameras. <laughs> um any kind of position at BattleBots, you know, 
except for maybe like contacting companies and begging them to make toys out of the robots or something. I don't think I would enjoy <laughs> that, but um, yeah, like if I had to make my own role at BattleBots, um, it would probably be the person in charge of the format of the show and I would make it like Junkyard Wars is what <laughs> I would do. Yeah, be a writer. I think it would be awesome if you were like a writer on the show for sure. Um, so Mike, thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, everybody go subscribe to Mr. Psycho 2. That's M-Y-S-T-R-S-Y-K-O-2 on YouTube. If you haven't done so already, um, we're looking forward to hanging out with you again in the future. I hope we get to do this again soon. And hey, if you're ever looking for, you know, surprise guests on your show, just like, let us know. Oh, I would love to have surprise guests on my show. That would be, that would be a good time. You guys get to, to let your hair down and just tell some jokes for a while. Yeah, I'd be into that. <laughs> After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Seattle, where the engineers at Amazon are developing a new home security video monitoring robot called Astro. And what is definitely a <clears throat> good idea, and not creepy or bad at all, Astro will pair with your ring security system and go rolling into any room where there's been a possible break-in and begin live streaming video back to you. You'll also be able to remotely control Astro and send it in to check on your relatives. <laughs> check on your relatives whenever you want. Again, with live stream video. Uh, and, and finally, you'll never be able to escape Alexa, which will apparently follow you around the house listening to your conversations. Uh, Astro will launch next year and is currently available in pre-sale for the low, low cost of $1,000. So I feel like Luke specifically chooses robots around the world and highlights a, a robot he knows is going to terrify me every <laughs> single time. And I feel like now this is the like the pinnacle of terrifying, like, it's just little Jeff Bezos running around your home, live streaming feeds to who knows who, really. Astro, uh, go check to see if there's a break-in in the ladies' bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I heard the window break. Go check, Astro. <laughs> live stream to my phone. Is this Jeff Bezos's voice, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was the voice of someone who is currently in queue to buy five Astro. <laughs> what could go wrong, right? You know, ring security system, put it on wheels. Go so, in, check on your elderly relatives. You know, I, I have to laugh because, you know, we, Chris and I have just been on a two-week vacation. And we, <clears throat> we did set up a ring cam for our living room. <gasps> um, what? No, 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 no. You were spying on Johnny D. So Chris's dad, uh, Johnny D, was staying in our home, and he is mainly positioned in the living room. But we warned him ahead of time, and we were like, hey, 
we're this camera is here. We're not gonna turn it on unless we <laughs> call you first. Luke is literally covering his mouth but, right now. But hold shot. on. But we said we, we would call him first and, every time. And the camera's not pointed towards the room. It's pointed towards the window where our dogs sit and watch for us to come home. So the, the point of the ring cam was just so that we could turn it on and, and see look our, at our dogs. dogs. Wow. You're already living in the Native <laughs> States, okay? Remotely monitoring your poor old father who's doing God knows what in your living room while you're out, okay? Who knows what kind of YouTube videos he's watching when you're not I, we around. We need to make sure oh. that our dogs are not getting up to anything that they shouldn't be while we, we are in another state. Wow, okay, so you're first in line to get the, uh, the Astro. Both of our dogs are going to go to Ivy League dog schools, <laughs> okay? It's important. Um, so... I've, I guess maybe we're not that far away from you get it. the Astro. You no, get it. But, like, it didn't follow him around the house. Astro, this thing is going to go around your house and hide things from you, so you have to buy more things from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to be on the toilet, and Astro's going to poke its little head around the corner and be like, Oh, it appears that you have no more toilet paper. Would you like me to place that order for you? <laughs> use 10 slices at oh. this rate we'll have to oh that's a lot of toilet paper you're using i can place an order for you i think that's jeff bezos's voice <laughs> you sound like scam likely mm. which sounds about accurate um i don't know what else to say other than this is horrible and it's I a great idea it's great yeah, this, this is this, progress. This is what we all need. This the only, thing, the need. only way they could improve it is if it had four flying drone arms that could slice my eyeball open <laughs> at any given time. <laughs> and that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. 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 Bye.